This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Kirsten, or our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. Today, we're going to dive into China's economic rebound story, as well as data that came out in the past week, and kind of the U.S. corporate earnings season kicking off. So um, it's been several months where investors are looking to the light at the end of the tunnel to China's economic rebound story, but Sino-U.S. tensions have been high in several areas, and investors remain worried about consumers' willingness to spend or the weakened domestic demand they're experiencing. Uh, the latest data from China on GDP showed 4.5% year-over-year growth in the first quarter, and that was the biggest expansion since the first quarter of last year. And exports are rebounding unexpectedly, they showed. EPFR data uh, show China equity funds pulling in over $2 billion this past week. What's your overall take on this, Cam? That uh, investors got uh, the confirmation they were hoping uh, to get before they added to the, to the exposure to this rebound story that they built up in the second half of last year. You know, one of the key things that had been holding back sort of further flows was uh, a concern that uh, China's consumers were still a bit shell-shocked um, that, that they would take as a lesson of the pandemic to make sure that their savings accounts were even fuller uh, because of the chance that they might be sort of <laughs> uh, thrown onto their resources by you know, something uh, of a similar nature to the lockdowns. But uh, Chinese consumers really sprang into action, especially in March, and big drivers of that, um, much better than uh, expected number. Um, I have to say, it's you know, it still comes with enough uh, asterisks attached that um, you know, I wouldn't say that it's a given uh, that this story is now fully launched. Um, the private sector uh, appears to still be in a fairly cautious mood. Uh, private business investment was very weak. Um, uh, the property market remains uh, somewhat hamstrung by the debt overload uh, and, and the <laughs> impact that has had both uh, on builders and buyers. Um, uh, and unemployment, especially among the young, rem remains um, too high for comfort. Um, uh, high youth unemployment in China is, I th think, you know, particularly alarming in the long run uh, because culturally there are such demands on those younger workers, um, many of whom have two, uh, two aging parents uh, to take some responsibility for uh, as, as time goes forward. So it was definitely encouraging the number and uh, investors certainly responded to it. But um, I wouldn't conclude that uh, it, it's a fully launched rebound. 
But, you know, we did see that strong reaction in the overall flows. Did you see anything similar in the sector flows? Yeah, um, we did, actually. So we saw investor sentiment pick up for China-dedicated sector funds. Um, Healthcare, biotechnology sector funds continue to be quite a strong point. Um, They continue to post big inflows. Other noteworthy inflows were from China consumer goods sector funds, which continued a five-week inflow streak, and uh, real estate sector funds as well posted a consecutive weekly inflow for the first time uh, since early February. Um, And then I guess on the redemption side, we did see redemptions for financials, utilities, telecoms, and industrials, but all were well below the 50 million mark. So yeah, that's kind of the the overall picture for China sector funds. Besides the good note from China, the other focus this week was first quarter corporate earnings reports. Um, Leading up to it, many pointed to profits being at risk and concerns over deep recessions. Uh, But Winston Chua, our liquidity expert, expert highlighted that more than 80% of the companies that reported have beat earning estimates so far. And although a good sign that companies are doing well, do you think that this could boost investors' fears of the Fed feeling more comfortable to raise rates sooner rather than later? Well, you certainly put your finger on something that uh, uh, is a fact of life these days, which is that good news is bad and bad news is good. Um, you know, I think I think uh, I, at this point, I'd be very surprised if the Fed didn't raise rates by another 25 uh, basis points uh, when they meet early next month. I think the general uh, consensus is that uh, they won't be able to hold them at that level very long if they don't want the economy uh, to hit the ground hard. Uh, And certainly, I think uh, in this earnings cycle, which you just referred to, Investors uh, are less interested in the in the uh, sort of numbers and the and the beats, as you put it, uh, because expectations were pitched pretty low. So it's not that hard uh, to beat many of the the, the consensuses. But what's in the uh, the reports accompanying the earnings is, I think, what uh, investors are really. Uh, focusing on um, and sort of trying to aggregate when they sort of look down the road to just how tight U.S. monetary policy is going to get uh, before the much hoped for pivot occurs. Um, You've been sort of taking a look at some of those accompanying reports. Have you reached any conclusions on the general tone? General tone, not so much. Um, But I think in terms of kind of banks uh, generally, they definitely did crush expectations on profits and revenue. And and that was kind of a worry just because of the recent SVB fallout. Um, So we did see a collective outflow for financial sector funds leading up until the final reporting day. Um, and then the group experienced a $733 million inflow. Um, that was backed by a 35 high week high inflow for U.S. dedicated funds. Um, so investors are still interested in, in the market. For 
healthcare plays, Abbott Laboratories and United Health pointed out headwinds of inflation and policy changes for government-backed health insurance plans that will extend into this quarter. Um, but they did point out that they did defy the dramatic slowdown of COVID test sales and vaccines, which were expected to dent their profits um, for the first quarter. Healthcare biotechnology sector funds absorbed an inflow nearly double the size of last week's and was the largest since the fourth quarter of last year. Um, and then I guess with Tesla's earnings uh, leave left investors with more questions than answers, some would say. Uh, energy sector funds posted an outflow and electric vehicle funds extended their outflow streak to five weeks, um, one of the weeks being a record redemption. So I guess it it helped some hurt others um, as expected, though. Yeah, I suspect that those uh, EV fund outflows uh, have to do with the sense the Chinese are coming in that particular space. Uh, That, I think, was certainly why Tesla has been trimming its prices in anticipation of some fairly bruising competition from that quarter. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, next week, I think we might be paying more attention to Japan, the, the The Bank of Japan uh, holds its first policy meeting 27th, 28th with a a new person at the helm for the first time in a decade. Uh, And markets are certainly anticipating that the uh, policies that have been in place during that decade uh, may be reaching the end of their shelf life. So uh, I suspect uh, we'll have something to talk about in that that area, um, and we will be that bit closer to the next Fed and ECB meetings. Great. Well, I look forward to speaking with you about all of that. Thanks, Cam. Thanks for listening to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. For more information, visit epfr.com or epfr.buzzsprout.com. Interested in joining Cam and Kirsten to talk fund flows and allocation data, or have a suggestion for the topic of a future podcast? Email us directly at podcast at epfr.com.